0: KVMR FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Good evening, I'm Claudio Mendonça. Tonight, on the California Report. The state's Child Abuse Central Index was audited and the results were not good. Plus, a story about how the cannabis industry has made a home in a small community in Tulare County. Kelly Reese interviews one of the co-founders of Nevada County Abortion Rights, and Sid Brown is back to give us the latest goings on in our local state parks.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A new state audit finds major problems with the state's Child Abuse Central Index, also called CACI. It's a database that tracks child abuse cases across the state. The audit only reviewed six of California's 58 counties, but found information gaps in tens of thousands of cases. KQED's Sarah Hosseini reports.
2: California's Department of Justice uses Khaki to conduct background checks on individuals who want to care for children, such as those seeking to foster kids or open a daycare. But in a four-year period ending just last year, a review found that more than half of cases of child abuse the county substantiated were missing from that database. That's 22,000 suspected abusers unaccounted for, and that's only in the six counties studied. There are 58 counties in California. At the same time, several hundred others were mistakenly listed, potentially limiting their job prospects. And so hearing that there um, were so many discrepancies was definitely alarming. Susanna Niffin is senior policy director with Oakland-based nonprofit Children Now. Niffin says child welfare systems are notoriously antiquated, but she says the scope of the failures was surprising. It wasn't just on the side of the counties, but also that some of the problems really did come from Department of Justice as well. And so at all stages and at all areas of this process, we need some cleanup. The state auditor blames an outdated system that relies on postal mail and manual inputting by DOJ employees and county social workers. Among the proposed fixes, amending state law to streamline this county to state reporting. For the California report, I'm Sarah Hosseini.
1: In LA, the Los Angeles City Council has voted in favor of drafting new municipal ordinances that will ban homeless encampments within 500 feet of all schools and daycare centers in the city. The decision is supported by LA Unified Superintendent Alberto Carvajo, who spoke during yesterday's council
0: meeting. I've seen elementary schools with conditions that none of us as parents would find acceptable for our children. Individuals with mental illness, some of them absolutely unclothed, shouting profanities.
1: Nithya Rahman was one of the two council members to vote no on the proposal.
3: Taking tents down, putting things into storage, and keeping sidewalks clear because everyone has been housed at those encampments, that takes more beds and more housing units than we currently have available to us in the city of Los Angeles.
1: Critics also argue this will push homeless encampments to other locations with no solution for permanent housing for these individuals. Our sister station, KVPR in Fresno, has launched a new podcast series called The Other California. It profiles small towns around the San Joaquin Valley. One episode focuses on the expansion of the cannabis industry in the community of Woodlake and Tulare County. Reporter Kerry
4: Klein has the story this one for me smells like, if you could imagine, uh, a purple tangerine.
5: I don't know if you can imagine a purple tangerine, but I cannot. Especially since what Jose Rivas is holding, it's not a fruit, it's an oil, one of the many he extracted from marijuana. He's the CEO of a company called Premium Extracts, and they squeeze, distill, and steam everything they can from the flower.
4: Essentially what we've developed here is a methodology to Isolate the components and the molecules of the cannabis plant, which are responsible for its taste, its flavor, and all the nuanced aroma that comes from each individual cannabis strain.
5: Inside his lab, Rivas shows me freezers packed with tiny vials of yellow and orange oils. It's these oils, called terpenes, that he and I are smell testing. They're kind of like essential oils, but without any THC or CBD. Some are fruity, like pineapple pez and banana OG.
4: We have some that are heavy, like I would describe as like a far waft of burning sugar and skunk.
5: The language may be goofy, but Revis isn't messing around. His company has patented its terpene extraction process, and each chapstick-sized vial is worth a few thousand dollars. Revis says they're used in high-end vaporizer pens.
4: Of course, everybody enjoys the euphoric feeling associated with, uh, with recreational cannabis, but. There's much more to this plant than just that, uh, and that, that's what we're trying to, uh, to show the world.
5: Down the street is a warehouse growing 16,000 marijuana plants. The company, known as Seven Points, is a cannabis cultivator. But with big, rustic gathering spaces, CEO Wayne Bishop has ambitions for more.
0: Hopefully, even this, this year, we'll get an site consumption permit. So we're trying to make this into like a winery experience.
5: I was just going to say, you can do weddings in here.
0: That's what we're trying to, that's, that's what we're going for.
5: Woodlake was the Valley's earliest adopter of recreational cannabis. As soon as voters approved Prop 64 in 2016, city leaders jumped, welcoming businesses while introducing a sales tax and safety measures. One of those businesses was Valley Pure which was the first recreational dispensary in the Valley. Here we have all our gummies, they're $10 a pack. Sales associate Monica Fields, also known as a bud tender, points me to brightly lit shelves full of vacuum sealed flour and a plethora of edibles. Pretzels, brownies, cookies, I mean, you name it, we probably got it. Assistant manager Tommy Fields says they've got niche items too, like suppositories.
1: From what I've heard uh, from a friend, that his wife used it for her menstrual cramps, and it went away. It completely killed her period symptoms.
5: So it's more for more for the ladies then.
1: More, I yeah, I I would hope it's more for the ladies.
5: <laughs> for the record, CBD suppositories are marketed to everyone, but not all locals have embraced cannabis. Many worry about being inundated with out of towners, and others simply aren't comfortable with the industry but not the Air Force vet who's stocking up on gummies the day I'm there. He injured his back while serving and says he can't believe it took so long to legalize recreational cannabis. But he's happy Woodlake was ready for it. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Woodlake.
1: And you can listen to more of that story on KVPR's new podcast, The Other California. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
1: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, June 1st, everyone. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.
0: Looking now at the regional forecast, in Grass Valley and Nevada City tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 60. On Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 82. And on Thursday night, partly cloudy with a low around 57. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight mostly clear with a low around 43 degrees. Thursday, partly sunny with a high near 69. Thursday night, Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be partly cloudy with a low around 44. And in Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight increasing clouds with a low around 61. Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 92. Thursday night, increasing clouds with a low around 59. You are listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The leak of the Supreme Court's draft majority opinion that revealed that the highest court plans to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision has spurred many people to take action. Tonight, KVMR's Kelly Reese speaks with one of those people. Protesters took to the streets in the wake
3: of the May 2nd Supreme Court draft majority opinion leak. Justice Samuel Alito's initial draft forcibly disavows the 1973 landmark Roe v. Wade decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections for abortion rights. As expected, reactions to the leak were very mixed. One Nevada County resident who heard the news with a heavy heart has since decided to act. She joins us today.
6: My name is Annabella Funk and I'm the co-founder of Nevada County Abortion Rights. We are a local organization striving to spread awareness about the abortion rights movement in Nevada County and across the nation. Why did you
7: feel the need to create Nevada County abortion rights?
6: I was really scared for the future of me and of my children and of my children's children as a woman and what was happening with Roe v. Wade. I just felt really scared.
7: And how did you set about establishing the organization? What were your first steps?
6: So we actually started the organization after the first march that we had in Nevada County. It was in front of the Nevada City Courthouse, and we had over 200 protesters there. And so that was, that was really the starting point of the organization. And then me and my best friend, Anna Fernandez, we started it.
7: And the protest in front of the courthouse was in response to the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion? Is yes. That correct?
6: What are the
3: main goals of Nevada County abortion rights?
6: We really encourage people to vote and vote blue and vote pro-choice. One of the things that's so important is to vote in the midterms, and a lot of young people aren't registered to vote. So that's really, really important to us.
3: Have you faced any challenges in the formation of the group or in any of the events you've planned?
6: Yeah, I think rallying a community can be challenging, but luckily I live in a community like Nevada County where everybody is fired up and ready to go.
7: Is Nevada County abortion rights doing anything to increase voter turnout or voter registration in local elections in June?
6: Yeah, so we have a list of our endorsed pro-choice candidates on all of our social media. We also are having a voter registration booth at our event on Thursday.
3: As you mentioned, you have an event coming up tomorrow. Do you mind letting us know a bit about it?
6: Of course. So this Thursday, June 2nd at 7 p.m., We will be having a fundraiser at the Mystic Theater. We're screening the critically acclaimed French film, which was an official selection at Sundance called Happening. The film is about abortion rights and the abortion rights movement in France because in France, um, abortions were illegal until the 1960s. So the event is donation-based at the door, and please get there early because there's limited seating. We're also going to have a voter registration booth at the event. And all of our funds from the event go to the National Network of Abortion Funds, which is a grassroots organization that distributes funds to independent clinics across the nation.
7: How did you end up partnering with the Mystic Theater in downtown Nevada City?
6: So we're really lucky because the community um, and the people in our organization are really really on board with everything that we do and really want to encourage our work. And so we actually got a message from Ross, who owns the Mystic Theater, and he asked if we would like to have a screening there.
3: The Mystic Theater is quite small, which is part of its charm, but that generally means there's limited capacity. Can you buy tickets in advance or only at the door?
6: So if you message us, um, we're at Abortion Rights on Instagram or Facebook. We will put you on a list, um, and then you can definitely get in. Um, It's also first come, first serve, so get there early.
3: As you said, donations from tomorrow's film screening will go to the National Network of Abortion Funds. How did you decide on this organization?
6: We chose the National Network of Abortion Funds because we live in the state of California. So we really wanted to make sure that the funds go to states where... If Roe v. Wade gets overturned, they're in a lot of danger. And the other thing that we love about the National Network of Abortion Funds is that the funds go directly to independent clinics, which really need it the most.
3: There are several films about abortion. How did you decide on this one in particular?
6: So we chose the film Happening because it felt so relevant to the current times we live in. And the film actually struck a chord with me because it's about a young girl who needs to make this decision in order to continue her education. Um, I first got involved with this movement because when I was in high school, a friend of mine, she was 15, she made the decision to get an abortion. It was one of the hardest decisions that she's ever made, but the important thing is that that was her decision, and it was her body and her choice.
3: Have you collaborated with any of the other local reproductive health or abortion rights
6: organizations? Yes, so we are in collaboration with the Nevada County Democrats, as well as the League of Women Voters.
3: Does Nevada County abortion rights have anything else in the works?
6: Yeah, we have a lot of exciting things coming up. So on Thursday, we have our very first fundraiser. And then we also have a couple more screenings planned um, at some bigger theaters, which is pretty exciting. And we have been doing weekly protests in front of the courthouse and on the bridge for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And we plan to continue those protests. And we also plan to really partner with Nevada County Democrats and really work with that organization to have more voter registration and encourage the young people to vote. And you can find more about us in our upcoming events at NC Abortion Rights on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for having me.
0: The weather is beautiful and the birds are singing. It's the perfect season to visit one of our local state parks. A perfect time for a walk in the park. Here to inform us about what's happening at each of these local treasures is Sierra Gold Parks Foundation board member, Sid Brown.
8: Well, we've got some good things happening and summer's coming on, so let's get to it. At Empire Mines State Historic Park, um, I want to tell you that the blacksmiths are doing their demonstrations every day unless the temperature outside is more than 90 degrees Fahrenheit. They they run those coal fires uh, for their smithing, and it gets very, very hot. So if it's a very, very hot day, they won't be doing their blacksmith demonstrations. But if it's under 90 degrees, you can see them in the mine yard at Empire Mine State Historic Park. We have garden tours now every Saturday and Wednesday mornings at 1030. And we are doing something new this season where we have a theme every month. Last month in May was Asia Heritage Month, and we highlighted the plantings of Asia origins. And in June, our theme is going to be Heritage Roses. So those tours again are Saturday and Wednesday morning at 1030. At Empire Mine, the trails are open sunrise to sunset, and the historic core where the gardens and the blacksmith demonstrations are, that part is only open from 10 until 5 p.m. every day. At South Yuba River State Park, we've been having bird walks, but that ended Monday of Memorial Day. But the birds are out, and if you get out on the trails early in the morning, you'll be treated to some beautiful bird song. We're hoping to get the new Jones Bar Trail Bypass open and ready for users By mid-June, it is still not yet open due to the Jones Fire, but there's been work on Independence Trail West, but that's going to be closed for quite some time. But State Parks is doing a new trail that takes off from part of the Independence Trail area down to Jones Bar. That trail is not yet open, but probably the next time we'll be talking, Um, we hope that it will be, at Malakoff Diggins. State Historic Park. On June 11th, I would like to invite everybody to come out to Humbug History Day. It's a special day at Malakoff Diggins. Um, From 11 till 4, we'll have all kinds of activities going on with music, food, town tours, demonstrations, a little parade, So do come out to Malakoff Diggins on Humbug History Day. Again, that's June 11th. We encourage you to come via Highway 49 and Tylerfoot Road. Follow the signs to the park. It's about 14 miles from Highway 49 into um, the town of North Bloomfield where all the activities will be taking place. And then in Early June, uh, June 3rd and 4th, and especially on June 4th, I'd like to um, invite you to participate in our local Celebration of Trails events. There are going to be special hikes throughout the county, sponsored by the Bear Yuba Land Trust, and Sierra Gold Parks Foundation is also participating. We are going to be having special led hikes at South Yuba at Point Defiance at Malakoff Diggins, the Diggins Loop Trail, and at Empire Mine, the um, the Hard Rock Trail. These um, special tours and celebration of trails on that Saturday, June 4th, do request pre-registration. And you can find out about how to get your pre-registration through the Bear Yuba Land Trust website. So it's bylt.org and Celebration of Trails. I think there's probably 15 or 20 different hikes and bicycle rides and and horse trails that are being promoted, but the three that I just mentioned are at the state parks, and the only fee associated with those are the day-use fee or the parking fee. Well, I do want to call your attention to the couple of important safety messages, one, even though the temperatures are rising, the water in the river is still quite cold. Recently, the sheriffs and the CAL FIRE um, and law enforcement did a cold water rescue training down at 49 Bridge on the South Yuba, and they had a very good training session and were able to pass out bandanas from our previous river ambassador activities over the last year where we talk about the rules and how to recreate responsibly at the river. But the river water is still cold. There's still snow up in the Sierra. And as the temperatures heat up, that uh, runoff increases. And so we do encourage people to be very careful and mindful. There are loner life jackets at the river, especially at Highway 49 and at Bridgeport, I'm pretty sure, and also, want to remind people that no fires whatsoever, no wood fires, no charcoal in the River Canyon, also, no glass down at South Yuba River, uh, please. There are call boxes at Highway 49 and at Edwards Crossing and farther upstream on Forest Service land at Lang's Crossing. We encourage you to leave no trace when you come to the parks and the trails. There should be garbage cans and waste disposal receptacles near where you park your car. But you know what? If they're not there or if they're full to overflow please bring your garbage back home and place it in a responsible way and don't leave your trash at the river. Let's keep it clean for everybody. We do want you to remember to obey all the signs, all the no parking signs. Let's keep the roadways clear for emergency vehicle access. If you care about the river, if you want to be a part of the solution and to keep the river's clean and people recreating responsibly. Um, I encourage you to reach out to CIRCLE, the South Yuba River Citizens League. They have a website, um, yubariver.org. And you, too, could join in and become trained to be part of the river ambassador team. We need lots and lots of volunteers and um, would really appreciate people, you know, investing in their community, invest in the river, invest your time. And uh, let's all help to keep this a beautiful place so we can enjoy it for years and years to come.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, June 1st. KVMR gets support from The Pizza Joint, offering New York style pizza with fresh ingredients by the slice or pie, plus other Italian specialties, salads, and local beer. Open daily for takeout on Commercial Street in Nevada City. ThePizzaJointNC.com. And Booktown Books, an independent cooperative bookstore since 1998 featuring nine independent vendors, offering used, rare, and collector's items, including music, DVDs, vinyl, and art. Open daily on Bank Street in Grass Valley. Booktownbooks.com My name is Claudio Mendonça. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting KVMR, your community radio station. And I encourage you to meet me right here tomorrow at 6 o'clock for another edition of the KVMR Evening News we